Well, I had a lot of energy in the room eventually as people trickled in. I want to make sure everybody's warmed up and all the barriers are broken. And uh, we're going to talk about love this morning. Uh, and uh, when, I, when I think about the great campaigns uh, to do with love uh, in, uh, in recent years, I think about you know, the beer commercial uh, where the guy uh, gets beer and says, I love you, man. You remember that one? You remember that one? So just to spread the spirit of love this morning, turn to the people next to you and in an overly dramatic sort of way say, I love you, man. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you feel it? Do you feel the love? Do you feel the love? I think there were some tears. There were some tears. All right, uh, so I think a good question to start off with as we, as we meditate on love this morning is, is, uh, is a simple question, what is love? Clearly the most glorified virtue of all time, right, across cultures, uh, everybody's kind of into love, what is love? Do you, do you remember the, this dates me a little bit, it goes back about 25, 30 years, do you remember the love is cartoons, anybody? coffee mugs and the Hallmark cards. Love is never having to say you're sorry. That was probably the most popular one. Uh, my wife challenges that uh, ethic a lot. I don't? Awesome. It's a trap. It's a trap. Don't fall for it. You gotta have wingmen. You gotta have wingmen. <laughs> all right, love is what? What is love? Come on. All you need. Love is all you need, saith the Beatles. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. Uh, what else? Love does. Love does. Love does. It's a provocative statement from a provocative Christian. Love does. Yeah. Love is a verb, right? Love doesn't just sit around. Love does things. Great. I like it. What else? Love is sacrifice. Love is sacrifice. Uh, basic, basic Jesus teaching and uh, encompassing, an encompassing statement. Yeah. What else? Love is long-suffering. Long-suffering. Yeah. Uh, patient. The, the, the biblical word often translated patience is literally long-suffering. Uh, painful effort over a long period of time. <laughs> I like it. Oh, and this, Valentine's Day is coming. Honey, I suffer long with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. What else? Love is? Love is blind. Love is blind. Love, what was that? Love hurts. Love hurts. Love hurts. Is my 1980, 1980s rockers, pal. Love Hurts, if you remember the anthem, the anthem of the early 80s, yeah. And Love is Blind, yeah, we hear that a lot. I don't even know who said that first, but very famous statement, Love is Blind. Got a couple others? Love is creative. Yeah, love is creative, fruitful, interesting. You could talk a long time about that, yeah. What else? Love is powerful. Yeah, why not? I mean, just go there. Love is super powerful, right? Uh, all, all 
true. Um, uh, probably, probably the most general statement, the most uh, enveloping statement is love is sacrifice. It is well, presumably self-sacrifice. It's giving of yourself. Uh, I would say love is sacrifice in many ways, in many different forms, and in many different expressions. And, and that's one of the things that I think we need to keep in our heads as we investigate how to use love well. And in this sermon series, technically what we're investigating is to how, how to use love to ruin people. <laughs> how to use love to ruin people. So if this is your first time, what we're doing in this sermon series is uh, we're examining how the devil uses virtues against you. How the devil uh, tricks you. Uh, into ruining your life because Satan's number one trick is to get you to do destructive things that you think are good things right that's Satan's number one technique and that's what the Bible says as Paul put it Satan masquerades as an angel of light right the trick is not to tempt you to do evil things the trick is to tempt you to do good things that are actually destructive or to do good things in a destructive way, or something like that. That's actually Satan's game. He's not just a tempter, he's a con man, right? He fools you. He masquerades as goodness. He masquerades as an angel of light. So that's what we're talking about in this sermon series. And Satan's usual method for doing that trick is to get you to focus on one virtue in a way that ignores other virtues, so you emphasize one good thing and then kind of let a lot of other good things slide. But because you're doing the one good thing, you think you're awesome. You think you're doing great. Whereas, in fact, you're being narrow and negligent and destructive in the world around you because you're overly focused on one thing. And that might not sound uh, super destructive in and of itself, but, um, but with a little... Uh, little thought, you see how effective that is. Uh, we talked about, well, if you want to be healthy, let's say you only ate one healthy food and nothing else. Let's say you only ate spinach and didn't eat anything else in all of life. Spinach is super healthy. Spinach is a virtuous food. But if you only did spinach, eventually you die, right? And then your death would cause a lot of destructive ripples in the world around you presumably. Or if you wanted to get fit, you know, wanted to get really muscular and you went to the gym, but all you did was bicep curls. That's the only exercise you ever did in life. All the other time you were just sitting in a chair playing video games, right? You'd have awesome biceps, but, you know, then you'd die at 40. Um, you know, you'd be like, I don't, I don't understand why I'm not healthy. I win every arm wrestling bout, but my cholesterol is 300, um, right? You have to do it all if you want to be uh, a healthy uh, person. And we have a word for that. The word is integrity. We want to be people of integrity. That word integrity means integrated. What does integrated mean? It means everything connected together, right? You want to be an integrated person, a person of integrity. The opposite of integration is disintegration. And if you are a disintegrated person, if you only do one thing but you don't integrate all the other good things, then you disintegrate and you cause disintegration in the world around you, all the while thinking that you're doing this good thing. 
All right, you kind of understand the scenario? That's Satan's uh, trick. So uh, what I'm doing is I'm coaching you today in how to be a good devil. And I'm going to put on my devil coach hat, or as my Ohana group says, I'm going to be the sociopastor. I'm going to do some discipoship. I'm going I'm to weird you out. I'm going to teach you how to be a good demon. I think I have a knack for this. I'm a so-so Christian, but I'd make a great devil. Uh, it, it is intuitive uh, for me. I have a certain genius about it. And today, what I'm going to talk about is how might the devil use love to ruin people? Or how might the devil use you, use your love to ruin people uh, in the world? Uh, right? Because as protege devils, and that's how I will treat you now, turn to someone next to you and hiss at them. All right, kind of get in the mood, teach you how to be a good devil. How might we devils use love or people's love to spread ruin on earth? Everybody? All right. By the end of the sermon series, we'll be really good at that. Uh, I, uh, I was sitting in, uh, Sonia and I have a small group at our house, meets during the week, and we were having this discussion about uh, how might the devil use love. And what I do is I quiz my uh, small group, my Ohana group, and then I use their answers in the sermon. And when I, uh, when I asked, well, how might the devil use love to ruin people, almost everybody spoke of bad love being used against them, Right? Everybody said, oh, well, you know, love can be really destructive. People can say, I love you, but they're really trying to manipulate you, so you need to self-protect, right? And so the virtue of love is self-protection, and we talked about manipulation and deception and boundaries and overburden and stuff like that. And I get it. I totally get it, because um, we've all had those relationships that were supposed to be loving, but were, in fact, just really painful and destructive. Everybody has something like that uh, in life. So, following that logic, what it means is that the devil tricks you into not protecting yourself properly. But that's so obvious. That's so obvious. And that's not how we devils want to roll. If we can get people uh, to be manipulated by love, if we can manipulate people uh, through loving obligation, through guilt trips and shame and stuff like that, then let's do that, devils. Uh, but that's kind of... a uh, that's the easy one. One ruins people, mostly, by partializing love. And that's the phrase that I want you young demonic protégés to understand. Partializing love. We want to break love into pieces and train people to only do one piece and to neglect the other pieces. We want their love to be disintegrated. Right? So that's the concept that we need to get our brains around Young devils, mwahaha. Got to warm up, people. By cherry-picking certain pieces of love and neglecting other pieces of love. Here's a way to illustrate what makes for a really effective lie. You're going to lie to someone. What's going to make that lie really effective? Truth. Yeah, everybody knows this trick, right? The best lies have some truth mixed in them. And why does that make a lie so effective? Well, because people fixate on the truth and they swallow all the nonsense that comes with it. 
right? So there's no such thing as a total lie. A total lie would be completely ineffective. A lie is mixed. A lie is nothing but a partial truth. Now, how destructive are lies? Completely destructive. In fact, Satan is called the father of lies, right? It's kind of, that's the whole technique. The whole technique to be good devils is to partial truth tell. Or, in our case, to do with love, to partial love, right? There's no such thing as a complete absence of love. That would be obvious. That would be really ineffective. So what we want is just a partial love. And then in fixating on the bit that is loving, people swallow all the nonsense that comes with it or something like that. So as partial truth uh, is a lie, partial love is a ruin. So I just want you devils to know that our goal is incomplete love. It's not a total absence of love because that would go nowhere. That would never get off the ground. That campaign would fizzle. Partial love. Fractional love. Little bits of love. And then a lot of lie that goes with it. That's our goal. Everybody. Woo! All right. That's the idea. Boo. There's one holdout, Christian. Now... my young devils, love might be our most potent weapon, right? People associate love with God, but love might be the most potent weapon that we devils have. Love is a great word for devils to use. Like if we really do our job, you could find people using the phrase, I love you, to sell beer. If we really do our job, that could be a, that could be a, a whole campaign. People would eat that up, excuse me, drink that up. It's a great word for devils to use, and every devil should get really comfortable with the word love. Um, the reason is, every time you say love, the moment automatically becomes powerful. It's, it's super influential. And people can use love this way. We want people to use love this way. If you only loved me, dot, 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 oh, something bad's about to happen. Whenever somebody says that, whenever one spouse says to the other spouse, if you only loved me, whoo-hoo, chaos is about to ensue. What are some other good phrases? You know, I just want to be loved. Yeah, when everybody says, when anybody says that, they're vulnerable and we can, we can jerk their strings as they're trying to jerk the strings of the people around them, right? Because when you say love, it implies debt. It implies obligation, right? People immediately uh, get moralized and tense. That's not very loving. Because oh. if it's not loving, it stinks. So love is a great word for those who want to judge other people. It's the best word for judgmental people to use. All right? It's so filled with dark vitality. Uh, I, 
don't know, I, I guess I love you more than you love me. You ever said that in a fight, spouses? Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Because what can you say? Right? What can you do? It goes straight to uh, the heart of things. Those are all showstoppers. They're all dominators. And we devils are bullies. Anytime you invoke love or anytime you can get an unhealthy person to invoke love or you can get a person to invoke love in an unhealthy way, the dark side automatically has momentum. It's like the wind, all the wind that we've had here this week. Uh, if you're a, a sailor or a kite boarder, you love wind, right? Uh, if you have wind turbines or windmills, you love wind. Wind can be incredibly uh, powerful in a creative way. Or, of course, it can be incredibly powerful in a destructive way. Many of us had power outages and internet outages and stuff like that this week because wind knocks things down. Love is always powerful. Is it going to be powerful for creation or is it going to be powerful for destruction? But it's always powerful. And we devils need to make uh, the most of that. We can use that. We can use the word love for accusation and judgment. And I just want you to all understand that. Turn to the devils next to you and nod sagely. Oh, yeah. Love. Accusation, judgment. That's what we want. Love for the sake of division. Is there anything more beautiful than love for the sake of division? The dark side. Yeah. Um, and we can uh, tempt people to use love for accusation and, and justification. Oh, it's great for that. Judgment, division, unless they understand the real definition of love. And that's the problem, devils, uh, because... Um, Jesus defines love pretty directly, pretty clearly to Christians. So we want to make sure that they don't understand that. Probably most famously in John 15, Jesus says very simply to his disciples, no greater love has a man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Which is such a boundless statement, right? You can't use love for justification. You can't use it for accusation. You can use it to die, Right? You can use it to lay down your life for someone else. What makes a person willing to die for another person? Well, certainly not self-justification. <laughs> right? It's a complete giving, a complete giving, a complete giving of self. That's what love is. And he talks about this a lot, this sort of love is sacrifice business. Someone asked him in... Matthew chapter 22, I'll put the scripture up on the board <coughs> behind me uh, because as, you know, as devils, we need to know scripture well. Uh, Satan showed us that when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, didn't he? Uh, from Matthew 22, I'll pick it up uh, at verse 36, Jesus is, is uh, debating uh, issues with some uh, religious people. Uh, and one of them, who was an expert in the law, uh, was trying to test Jesus. So he asked him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? That was a popular question back in the day. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything you have. Heart, soul, mind, strength, some versions say. And then love your neighbor as yourself, which is to say, 
selflessly, ultimately. Love God, uh, love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, uh, Jesus would say. Um, so what does that mean? Uh, it says, well, God first, <laughs> and then give yourself away to everyone else. Uh, that's the second business. Um, There is sacrifice there, right? If you love your neighbor as yourself, if you prefer other people uh, to your own comfort, uh, to your own life, there is sacrifice there. But there's also submission, right? Because you have to start by loving God well. How do you love God well? Well, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. You know, you honor God. You, you, you subject yourself to the ways of God. Um, so start by doing that and then sacrifice yourself for other people. And that sums up the entirety of scripture according uh, to Jesus. He said something similarly provocative in his famous Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you can find it in Matthew chapter five. Is Jesus is just sort of giving a moral orientation uh, to the kingdom of God. He said, you have heard that it was said Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor was actually part of the Old Testament, but there was this Jewish saying in the first century, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. Ha, ha, ha. It's a little pithy saying that they had. Uh, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and said, reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. He goes on, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. That's how he ends that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That word perfect in Greek uh, comes across a little funny. The, the Greek word for perfect doesn't mean perfect as in super excellent. It means perfect as in complete. And some of the older translations of Scripture will say, Be complete, therefore, as your heavenly Father is complete. You want to do a complete love, right? Not a narrow love. You want to have an integrated, all things together sort of love not a disintegrated one piece at a time sort of love. Um, and Jesus is saying, if you want a complete love, well, you can find that when you sacrifice yourself for people who hate you. So how many of you have done that this week? Because it's hard and unpopular. Jesus had all these teachings about, you know, being willing to get taken advantage of, which is terribly un-American, so it's easy for us. Uh, to sell nonsense to the Americans. If somebody walks up to you and slaps one cheek, give them the other cheek. That is the very definition of get taken advantage of. If somebody comes and steals your coat, offer them your shirt too. Right? This, Jesus had very unhealthy boundaries, is what I'm saying. Very unhealthy boundaries. Um, uh, but that's love. Love is, is boundless. 
Maybe the, fir- the most famous passage on love uh, in Scripture these days comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Sometimes called the love chapter. It's actually part of an essay on using spiritual gifts for ministry, but people uh, read it at weddings nonetheless. You know, if I speak of tongue in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm nothing but a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I understand all ministries, if I have a bunch of faith to move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. He picks it up in verse 4, describing the nature of love. Love is patient, long-suffering. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. No record of wrongs. Automatically forgiving, it says. Wow. Um, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. There is never any opposition between love and truth. There is no tension between love and truth, um, is what Paul says. Um, Again, all of this suggests selflessness and self-sacrifice, but self-sacrifice with discipline, right? And that discipline does not come through self-protection. It comes through truth and humility and service. Uh, You could define love rather uh, holistically by saying love is sacrifice in accordance with virtue. Right in accordance with God. You have to submit to God first. You have to do things his way and then sacrifice yourself accordingly. Because it's possible to sacrifice yourself but have it not be loving. Right? You could, you could sacrifice yourself in order to make a lot of money. You could sacrifice yourself in order to re- look really good in front of people. Right? You could sacrifice yourself in order to have the moral high ground through which to manipulate other people. Right? You could do sacrifices for lots of different reasons. But the Bible teaches that you have to sacrifice yourself in accordance with how God does things. Love and truth together. God's truth, um, that is. So, if you are a good devil, you immediately recognize that that gives us lots to play with. Because what we can do is tell people, oh, sacrifice yourself but not in accordance with God's ways, right? And then it feels like love, but it really isn't. It feels like love, but it causes a lot of pell-mell destruction, chaos, and that sort of thing. Love is is a sweeping, integrated thing, and it's really powerful. It's hard to get right. It is something that's entirely natural and reflexive to people, and yet hard to get right. Uh, because it requires a lot of truth to make it work well. It requires a lot of patience and discipline and humility and submission to get it to work well. And if we drive people to be really loving, but then make them neglectful or ignorant of all of the other virtues that they're also supposed to have, then they end up being destructive forces in the world. And we got them. We got them, everybody. Rub your palms together like good devils. We got them. Love is easy to fracture. So uh, let's break it down a little bit. My scheming little devils. Look at you. That glint in your eye. You're already thinking of devilish 
creative ideas, aren't you? This is how we use uh, love uh, to destroy people and to get people to be our destructive agents for us. Basically, what we want to do is we want to get people to pick their favorite form of love or their famous piece of love and to do it only. To do it only. Like the guy who goes into the gym and only works out his biceps. Right? It's like, hey, man, I'm exercising. I must be healthy. <laughs> right? We want to get people to pick the one bit of love that they really like that they feel good about, um, and to do it only. And they'll feel really loving as they do it. They'll insist that they're being loving, actually, but they'll just cause all sorts of chaos in the world around them. So a few ways to do that. <coughs> Emphasize love only for those you like. We get people to be loving, but only for the people they like the most. Right? So not their enemies, of course, not people who disagree with them, of course, but be loving only for your people, only for your people, only for your tribe, right? only for your culture, whatever that happens to be, or only for your family. Oh, family works great for this, right? because love for family, does anything sound more virtuous than that? Right? And of course, it is virtuous. The trick is to get people to love only their family or to love their family in preference to all other people, right? And it doesn't sound terrible, but if we get people to do that, to fixate on love for their family only, then they become marvelously destructive in, in the world uh, uh, around them. Um, it becomes tribalism, you know? I'm going to take care of my my family, I want to take care of my people, I want to take care of my clan. Well, what does that mean? That means pursuing the interests of my family over and against the interests of other families or over and against other people or other people that are trying to take what is my family's, right? It almost automatically becomes combative. And at the very least, it becomes absorbing, right? A man uh, who just focuses on his family 24-7, 365, is doing none of this loving enemies business, right? None of this kingdom stuff is being totally incomplete. That's the guy who's in the gym only working his biceps. And that man might look good at first pass, but is being totally narrow and, and negligent uh, and, and ruinous actually. And the best thing is we can make that man feel like he's being really responsible. He's being a good father. He's being a good husband. He's being a good provider, which of course he is. The problem is that's all he is. Doesn't seem satanic, but it's gloriously satanic. Gloriously satanic. And it doesn't take much to push that into into total warfare. I mean, tribal warfare dominated the globe for a long time. It's us against them. You know, I'd like to be at peace with you, but if push comes to shove, I ain't sacrificing mine. You know, I ain't risking mine. That would be unvirtuous. No, actually, it wouldn't. Are you following me? Are you following me? Mwahaha. You getting good ideas? You know how to trick people? All right, well, here's another one. Uh, emphasize passionate love. 
over other kinds of love. When I, as socio-pastor, uh, counsel people who are thinking to get married, I always, I always say to them, you don't get married for love. You know, I don't, I, very few people get married for love. People these days get married for like. You marry the person who does something for you. You marry the person who is exciting. You marry the person that makes you feel good. None of those things have anything to do with self-sacrifice, right? You, you, you marry the person, uh, you know, with whom you have a chemical connection, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? There's some zing involved. And if there's no zing involved, you shouldn't marry him. I'm just saying, you know, it's not really love that causes romantic froth. But you'd never be able to tell that by looking at our larger culture, right? When I say the word love song, what do you think about? Romance, of course, right? Turn on the radio. Does anybody listen to the radio these days? No. Whatever. Spotify, you know, and love songs are all about romance. Find me a song, a popular song that's about self-sacrifice. Just one. Just one. But people pour their hearts out, right, and glorify this. Hollywood movies, right? Love stories. What's a love story? Well, it ain't about love. It's about like on steroids. That's what it is. But there's a lot of moral justification. You know, I'm looking for love. No, you're looking for romance. You're looking for a like connection, not a love connection. But we can make a whole industry out of that love. Should there be love in a marriage? Yes. But that's not why people get married, typically. Not typically, not in this culture. Once upon a time, you know, that might have, have been true. Uh, so very subtly, what we've done there with that love story, love song industry, with the romance industry, is that we have taught people to equate love with sexuality. And that gives us the opportunity to insert all sorts of helpful slogans into the world. And because sexuality is something that is gloriously easy to manipulate. <laughs> Super easy for us to manipulate. Because that's like a, an urge that is powerful and often chaotic and out of control. It takes a lot of discipline to handle that. So if we say no, no discipline, that's not a lack of discipline, that's love. That's love, right? See what we can do there? We get people to equate love with sexuality. Then we can have bumper stickers like, make love legal. Um, yes, it should be legal. You should be allowed to love anybody as much as you want, as much as you want. Dear me, definitely. But what we're really saying there is make all forms of sexuality legal. Which, what we're really saying, I mean, legality has nothing to do with it because, I don't know, there's an argument to be made for it. Yeah, people should make their own choices, their own moral choices. We should have a free culture. But what we're really implying there is that all forms of sexuality are equally healthy. And probably God has something to say about that, as would social statisticians and stuff. Um, but see what we've done? We've used love to fogify that whole social conversation. We've turned it into a conversation about love, and then we can pretty much do whatever we want because love is justifying and uh, great for accusations and stuff like that. So uh, anyway, 
uh, try to get people to think of love only in terms of passion and fondness and like, um, because that really plays into our hands. Everybody's out there looking for love. You never need to look for love. You can sacrifice for anybody you meet. Love should never be the product of a search. Now, romance, that's something different. And uh, we'll put that in a, in a different training session. How do, you, how do you use romance for devilish purposes? Oh, that's super easy. Uh, and finally, here's a trick. Uh, train people to love generally, but not specifically. Uh, uh, there's a guy uh, who helped write the song, All You Need Is Love, right? John Lennon. Uh, there's an interview I read by John Lennon's son, uh, Julian, a while back. As John Lennon was a famous lover of humanity. Give peace a chance, uh, he wrote. Um, and his son said, my father was a great lover of humanity. The problem was he just didn't love any person very much. Humanity is really easy to love, really easy. The person next to you, much harder to love, much harder to love. But if we can whip people into a frothy frenzy to love all of humanity, we can convince them that they don't actually need to love any individuals, right? We can make love a campaign instead of a neighborly exercise. And if we get people to just love humanity with a great deal of passion, that almost always enables us to make those people judgmental and accusational against people who do not love humanity as well as they do. Right? Uh, so try to keep love really general. Right? We don't want uh, the passing Pharisee to stop and help the Samaritan because the Pharisee has broader love goals in mind. Right? Super easy uh, to do. And all of our social discourse and culture today is about loving humanity, isn't it? Right? and who loves humanity best, who loves segments of humanity properly, and stuff like that. But what we don't hear about is somebody sacrificing for someone else. I mean, occasionally there's a meme, but, you know. Uh, but the social discourse is, is, is broad. It's political. Oh, political love is glorious love for devils. There's nothing better than, than love in politics. Right? Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Judgmental and accusational. And, and we've really done a great job, demons. We've really done a great job training the younger generation to think of love in political terms. It's beautiful. It's loving humanity. As long as they don't love anybody, uh, but just love humanity, groups of humanity and causes and stuff like that, we can twist their little minds however we want to. Mwahaha. There, I've trained you in how to use love for devilish purposes. Now, turn to someone next to you and say, oh, I love you, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we are trained up. All right, now I'll take off my devil coach hat and I'll put back on uh, my uh, pastor hat that I don't wear quite as comfortably, I'm afraid. Um, but just to, to bring us back to Christian reality, love is easy to use poorly. 
And it's easy for culture to get us really twisted up where love is. It's really, for, it's really easy for devilish culture to stymie you and confuse you and daze you when they use the word love, right? And so we Christians just need to be a little smarter than that. The whole point of this sermon series is to teach us how to detect the devil's tricks and then just to speak very clearly. You know, well, that's not love. That's just fondness, right? That's, that's not, you're not really talking about love. You're talking about preference or favoritism or, 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 or I don't know, sexuality or boundaries or protection. Like, there's all sorts of things that people talk about when they think they're talking about love, but what they're really talking about is just a narrow facet of love and they have not integrated all of the rest of it. The selflessness, the submission to God's ways. Because if you love in a way that's not submitted to godly ways, to righteous ways, then you end up being destructive in the same way that wind can be destructive uh, if you haven't managed it uh, properly. Love is so powerful that if it's not integrated love, it almost automatically becomes disintegrationist love. All right? So we Christians need to be up on that. How do we do it well? How do we do it well? Well, I think, I think the simple message is this. You can't be a loving person unless you're a godly person. Love alone is almost always out of control and bad. Love plus truth, love plus wisdom, love plus humility. There needs to be a plus one or maybe a plus 12 to do love well, right? It, it needs something else with it. So you need to be a virtuous person, not simply a loving person. Can I say that again? Because I want you Christians to be trained up you can't just be a loving person. You also have to be a virtuous person. Or you will be a destructive force or destroyed. You need the rest of it. You need the rest of it as well. Say that. I need the rest of it. <laughs> That's integrity. That's integration. Right? That's how you defeat the devil's purposes uh, with respect to love. So it could be, uh, like with my small group, that there are a lot of you who feel badly manipulated by love in life. What really happened is that you were badly manipulated by a lack of other virtues, right? Somebody treated you in a way that was devious or, um, or selfish or hateful. Like it, it really wasn't love that did that damage, was it? It was just the word love. Uh, that did the damage. So don't let love freak you out, <laughs> right? Because you want to be good at it. It is, after all, the chief of all virtues. It is the most necessary of all things. As Apostle Paul said, nothing counts except faith expressing itself through love. Godliness, trust in God, plus love. But notice that there's another part, right? There's the virtue part. So I'm going to give God a moment to, uh, to talk to you, and he's going to probably talk about one or two things, ways in which you just need to 
separate in your mind <laughs> uh, the concept of love from the concepts of self-protection, the stain. Or he's going to talk to you about ways that you need to be completely loving and not just fractionally loving. Right? You need to love in integration. You need to reevaluate how you think about things because it's always love plus something that makes the world go around. All you need is love plus all the other virtues. <laughs> but that doesn't sound so well in the song lyric. All you need is love plus truth and wisdom and <laughs> humility. And anyway, that's a pretty wide open conversation. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit... Uh, 30 seconds to talk to you about it. And we will invite up the prophetic types and the prayer ministry team in the meantime. Come on up, guys. Uh, if you've come with uh, a need for any kind of healing or you need some prophetic direction in your life or you need uh, some breakthrough of provision uh, materially, uh, you need some generosity from the Lord. I really encourage you to get up and come get prayer from somebody on the ministry team. These are people who have given over a big portion of their lives to just ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what they will do is lay a hand on your shoulder or something like that and invite the Holy Spirit to come upon you this morning and to give you breakthrough. Uh, I resonate with Sean's word. I think that this is a morning of breakthrough for a number of us. There's no need for you to carry that around anymore. There's no need for you to limp anymore. Just come get something from Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll have a great story to tell uh, in the coming weeks. Can we all stand for dismissal? And if you want to come up for prayer, you can start coming right now. Father God, I pray that you would perfect your agenda for every person here. I ask you, Lord, that we would be people of love, people of integrity, and as people of love, we would be people of the rest of it. I pray that when the world looks to the church, they would see love in all its glory and not in its narrowness, not in some narrow application. Uh, we are people without boundary. We want to be complete as our Father is complete. So deliver our hearts from fear because we know that complete love casts out fear. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. Thanks, guys. If you're brand new, come say hi to me. I'd love to give you a little welcome blessing. Come get prayer if you need it. Go get your kids uh, if they're in KQ ministry. And I'll see you next week at 9 a.m.